Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Uh, we got a counterpoint going. We've got Mike Van Solen, of course, he is over at Navigator, and John Raz, former Liberal War Room director. And uh, I don't think there is a Liberal War Room anymore, guys, uh, or they would be possibly talking about this AG report. Uh, but Bonnie Lissett coming out today, slamming the old um, Liberal wind government uh, over just literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions in waste. They wasted on consultants. They wasted money, hundreds of millions, on starting and stopping uh, transit projects. They wasted hundreds of millions on agencies that don't even do the basics of their job, like the TSSA, which for two decades has not apparently been even checking the elevators. They haven't been doing the safety inspections. And one of the things Doug Ford ran on, Mike, is that he can save $6 billion without losing a job. And he got a lot of criticism for it. But this is, I think, the kind of stuff he was talking about. 100%. And you know what? I think the the average Ontarian uh, could see that. When they when they looked at this government, uh, they saw a government that was making big, grandiose promises. This is the difference, actually, in the campaign between the Liberals, 15 years, and, and what Doug Ford offered. They, they continue to offer these big, grandiose problems. And then this, this report would talk about Metrolinx and just all the money after consultants and all the money to study and study and study, but without actually building anything that made a difference in people's Nothing. lives. And what Doug said was, he said, you know what, I'm going to give you, and people mocked it, but you know what? God bless him. He said, I'm going to give you a buck of beer. I'm going to take some money off your gas tax. I'm going to make life more affordable. I'm going to reduce your electricity bills. And people said, you know what? I'll take a bird in hand over two in the bush. And that was the big difference. Grandiose plans that uh, enriched lawyers and consultants, but did nothing to really make life a little bit more livable and affordable uh, for everyday Ontarians. One of the big takeaways, John, from this is that there are a number of agencies that literally have not been doing their job, whether it's social services, not checking on who's getting like $700 million on payments. We don't even know where they went. We don't know if it went to people outside of the province. They haven't kept track of it. Again, the TDSSA, everyone in the department, you know, no one was watching what was any was doing anything. Does this give Doug Ford an excuse to go and clean house? Uh, I very much hope so. I, I having, I mean, I'm, I'm going to approach this as not in a nonpartisan way. Assuming even half this is right, and I just took a first glance, a first blush at this today, one of the things that I know and that the conservatives I'm friends with know is when you're running government, often the official opposition are the mandarins. It's the bureaucracy. And taking on those unions and the public service unions, if Doug Ford shows the moxie and the metal to take them on and get them out of their... Uh, indentured, you know, so, <laughs> you know, to me, to trough? me, to me, it looks like, yeah, they're, you know, they're in a trough and they're a ha- and they're in a happy little rut. And it's sort of like having sinecure at a university. They're untouchable. Uh, I know that uh, both liberal and, and, and conservative leaders and governments have found this very frustrating. I'd love to see a fix mm-hmm. at every level of government, by the way. Um, this is tough stuff. I love this report. Um, I think Ontarians could smell it. I think they can smell it when they go to service Ontario shops to try to deal with the government or get something done hospital. and business owners or go to a hospital. And I'd love it if somebody cleaned house. But this is a very tough fight. And we'll see if Doug Ford has the metal. Well, you know what? Oh, sorry. I, you know, I just jump on this. I love this one because I think this is just the perfect, uh, you know, sort of uh, final stands of, of the liberal government. 
what she says about MRIs and mm-hmm. CT scans and the wait times that have uh, have uh, have have grown yep. uh, in two seven, 2017-18, 90% of uh, patients in one health network waited up to 203 day, three days for an MRI. If you'll remember when uh, Dalton McGinty came into power, one of the first things he did was he canceled the previous Harris-Eves Harris government move to privatize MRI. Yep. And it was a simple question. And that those, those private clinics... If they invested the capital to put MRIs in place, mm-hmm. uh, all they were going to ask is the same amount of money that the the, the public health care system would get, and they would in, in fund all that capital. And I really think if we hadn't made that you know simple little change, it means nothing. It's still a one-payer health care system. We wouldn't today, 15 years later, be looking at uh, terrible performance uh, numbers for the health care system around just simple uh, diagnostics, MRIs, CT scans. Um, so, look, again, but the, uh, speaks to it. But it does speak to it, but it also speaks to all the waste, especially going back and forth from projects, whether it's transportation. You know, they start, they stop, they approve something, they go back, they cancel it, they debate it, they move. I mean, every time there's an election, someone's changing something, breaking a promise, moving it. Every single time we've done that, we have paid a huge amount of money up front and we lose all that money and nothing gets done. It's very frustrating. I got to take back on uh, on this one. I don't think two tier health care is a solution, and I like because uh, I am a liberal. I like one tier health care, yeah, uh, but working. but within this report, it also states that if these machines, these publicly owned machines, were working twenty four seven, three sixty five, there would be no wait time and no need for and, the and remedy you know what? you're and suggesting. I bet, I bet a private sector who counted on uh, putting people through that machine each and every day, uh, every fifteen minutes, uh, they'd have that damn thing working. Damn right, there would. Yeah, well, uh, look the. Last MRI, I waited seven months for an MRI, and 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 it's not two. And it's not two tier. To be clear, it's still a single payer system. That is a one tier system, and it would help. There is private capital in the healthcare system. It's you know we the liberals like to pretend it it doesn't. It isn't there, but it's there, and we need to leverage that capital. We already have it because we have those technicians who do the thermal imaging and the blood work, and that that's that's private. Let's talk about the fight, though. Going back to your point, John, uh, because one of the fights he's going to have is with uh, the teachers. You know, their contracts are coming up. The Toronto District School Board is going into a new contract negotiation in August, and we get this report from City TV today saying just last year the Canadian the Canada's largest school boards, the TDSB. They spent $100 million just replacing absentee teachers because they're taking all their sick days. You know, these sick days are now a expected entitlement and they're being abused. It is a truism in politics that no matter what the stripe of the government, whether it was Bob Ray or Mike Harris or Dalton McGinty, that the teachers are never satisfied. Ever. Their pension fund, as far as I can tell, owns half of the marijuana producers in Canada and a bunch of other stuff. I uh, wish I was running that fund. No. Um, and that they're self-interest. Look, teachers, and I got a 10-year-old in the public school system, are yeah. an invaluable. Uh, Some and, of them and are laudable, terrific. And they're, they're terrific. And my yeah. kids' teachers have been terrific. Yeah. The people who run the unions representing them, Awful. not so much. They make the guys who are representing Unifor for GM look like angels. Um, and I know all of us who've worked in, you know, at Queen's Park, and I know Mike, you have, and yeah, I have, etc. Yeah. This is an unwinnable war, and they, I mean, if, if Doug Ford's got the moxie to take on the teachers, oh. I might go try and help him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got to be honest. This is one file that I want fixed because as much as I respect and love uh, the teachers that I know, I don't think their union, Mike, does any favors for them because for all the care they say they want for the kids, that $100 million, just at that one board, 
That is autism funding. That is funding for special needs. That is the funding they need to get the, the kids out of the classroom that are creating situations of violence. Yeah, you know what? And, and there is such a disconnect for me because my experience of the school system and, and my kids, I have two kids in the, in the Toronto, uh, Toronto School Board, um, has, has been great. We have, we've had these wonderful experiences. The teachers are fantastic people. And, you know, uh, by and large, uh, you know, we're, we're so happy with what happens. So the question for me is, is where's the disconnect between those people who I, I get to meet and see every day at drop off and pick up and, and the union leadership? It, it just, I don't know, it seems like two different worlds. Yeah. And if, uh, I don't know what it would take to, you know, sort of, I, I would love to see the teachers themselves sort of, you know, shake, are, shake, I, I, I shake have, some heads. I'm and, aware and, of a couple of teachers who seem to take like every, every, I mean, every month they're taking one or two days off. And again, those, those six days are for when you're sick. So in my mind... If you're taking a sick day when you're not sick, that's theft. It's theft of taxpayer dollars. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Mike uh, Van Solen and John Raz joining us tonight. Well, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe and Alberta Premier uh, Rachel Notley are calling on the Prime Minister to address the crisis facing the energy uh, industry. They have the First Minister's meeting on Friday, and both these premiers have had to send a letter to the Prime Minister asking him to please put this issue on the agenda. That it is not on the agenda, Mike, stuns me. Embarrassing. Uh, what is on the agenda? Hollywood, oh, climate change. Hollywood Twitter handles? Climate change. Um, <laughs> Look, competitiveness uh, is on it. <laughs> you know, you know, maybe and maybe John, I, I, I expect I expect yes, John John will be able to speak to this, but they, they must have an electoral plan at this point as to what they're doing. And they, it's, it strikes me that they are doubling down, and they have they have given up on a good chunk of the West. I think I think they're overestimating even how uh, the Lower Mainland is gonna gonna uh, do for them. Um, here in Ontario, I think, uh, you know, what, what's happening with manufacturing is an embarrassment. Auto's um, not even on the agenda. Well, yeah. Albeit it, it'll be, it'll get on the agenda before oil and gas. You can bet that. Right. But, but oil and gas, you know, here, here's the fundamental thing I'll say about Trudeau. He, when in the last election, he said, I can build big, I can do big resource projects. I can get pipelines <laughs> built. I'm going to be able to uh, get social license because I'm going to improve the process that was so, uh, you know, terrible in his, in his estimation under the under the Harper government. And I'm going to be able to work with First Nations and we'll we'll get the social approval uh, that's rec- social license uh, to get these things. And, oh, I'm going to bring in climate change plans so, you know, the world will be happy with us and it's all going to work out. Well, he brought he's brought in the climate change plan and the tax. But what he hasn't done is got social license or any any uh, resource projects built. So Nothing. here we I are. I mean, well, look, he'll we, build we got- a, he'll build a vagina before he builds any pipeline. <laughs> I mean, look, I say that in jest, but it would not surprise me at this point, John, because the, there's no way he wants to get oil to market, or that is the only thing that he would be discussing with these ministers on Friday. It's all they want to talk about, all of them, except for maybe the B.C. Premier, Mr. Horgan. All notions of genitalia aside, <laughs> I have a few comments here. The first one would be number of inches of pipeline that the conservatives... Oh, that's right, and Stephen Harper... Yes, they did. Stop Alberta. spinning that They crap. did not they did. build an inch of pipeline towards Tidewater. Oh, they built... They had the approval yeah. on Northern, Northern Gateway, Northern and Gateway that was Trudeau oh, that cancelled you, it. You mean, you mean the Mandarin moved some paper around? Not one inch built. Yeah, that's not true. That's much. Harper you know. was there for a decade. Yep, not one inch built. Number two, uh, uh, 
Justin Trudeau, for better or worse, did invest billions of Canadian dollars into Alberta and into this pipeline. Number three, it should have been on the agenda. Let's be fair about that. It should have been one of the first things on the agenda. So so should manufacturing in Ontario, 100%. So I don't want to be just a partisan hack here. And number four, it seems odd that Justin Trudeau, who lives in the perpetual shadow of his father, seems to forget and I didn't approve of this because I thought it was too left for my party, that his father had a national energy program, that it was so important to his father that we actually sustain and support as federalists our oil and gas business, protect our resources and Canadian jobs in the West, where Pierre Trudeau never got a single vote. And the only thing saving Justin Trudeau is that the particular brand of ecru beige that Sheer is, where he blends into any wall, and I can't remember what he says, and that Mr. Singh has the same popularity level as Elizabeth May, for whom I would vote before him, uh, will give Justin Trudeau, and I predict, a larger majority than he has right now, despite his losses in the Delta. No. A year is a long way away, and I've got an economist coming on at 930. They're already starting to use the R word, because the numbers coming out of um, Alberta are scarier than they first thought. Yeah. And we have a prime minister who shows absolutely zero will to get something done. And I, t- I talked to uh, colleagues out there and friends out in Calgary who were there in 08, 09, yep. and that was bad. And they're saying right now it's it's worse than it's ever been. So that's really scary. And you know what? You know, there's if there's something that's going to take the sort of uh, the sheen off of uh, the Trudeau government. Oh, I think uh, a few things have, haven't they? The, the economic headwinds are going to be that thing. You know, those are always the thing. And and I'm just I just see problems all around the country, and you know Andrew Scheer, you could say what you you'd like about Andrew Scheer, but I but I do think he is building. There is a credible narrative building around the Trudeau government that they're just failing at sort of fundamental economy. They're not building connecting things. on anything that is relevant. The things they're fighting for are great for the world. They right. do nothing for Canadians. Uh, uh, and Jugmeet Singh's poor performance is. You know, if if there's something that is going to get Trudeau back into uh, 24 mm-hmm. Sussex, it probably will be that. Because if it even if uh, if the Conservatives get close, uh, I mean, Jugmeet's uh, been an utter disappointment. I'm sure for well, all NDP He's been members. an utter disaster. They um, went with the wrong guy. He's got he's he's absolutely failed. He made some very big strategical mistakes. That's by a problem. Not getting us. It's a big big problem. Um, a Hamilton mom. Uh, seems to have been the last to know about a sexual incident that happened uh, at her five-year-old school in a uh, bathroom with another five-year-old boy. And the incident was alarming. And the school gave, you know, the teachers decided to give the boys a timeout. And then they called the Children's Aid Society, the Catholic Children's Aid Society. And as a, quote, courtesy, they called the mother three hours later to tell her about what happened with the child. Am I missing something here, Mike, or are parents now to the back of the line when it comes to parenting kids? Uh, well, it sure seems it by this story, which is atrocious, and I, I can't imagine you're going to get any argument from any parent you talk to about this. Um, look, part of my job, you know, is crisis communications and working with organizations, and uh, you just see time and time again how they get the first day wrong. And why do they get the first day wrong? Because they don't take the time to think about it beforehand. Let's think about the potential crisis scenarios we could face. And boy, oh boy, if you're a school, you know, I could probably, maybe this would be one that might be on the list. And what's going to happen in that incident? Who are we going to call? I imagine as soon as if you feel the need of something that's taking place in your school where you're calling the Children's Aid Society in, parents, parents. but, But when did it become a courtesy for a parent to be called? If I'm not the first person you're calling... 
then I'm showing up. You don't want me showing up at your school. Like, I don't understand how we have become so lackadaisical as parents that all of a sudden the schools do our job for us. I don't understand how anybody out there thinks that they will not be exposed in the media for gross incompetence and what is clearly just cover your ass behavior. I feel for this Let's mother. Let's get all. I, oh, my God. I, I can only so... imagine what my son Luca's mother would do if she found out. Yes, three like if you're late. the last one, crisis to lose? communications. I'd have to stomp her from, uh, you know, <laughs> generational <laughs> charges. Yeah, I get you that. know, Ilana, Ilana wouldn't put up with so so. This all looks, but what I, what astounds me, whether it's Tony Clement or liberals or what or this sort of behavior, is that people don't understand. It's a surveillance society. The media, for all of its bankruptcy and flaws today, will cover it. It will be on the internet. It'll take, it like. The flash. But It'll but, but again, for a mother like this, who probably isn't media savvy, probably just wants to protect her kid, I mean, you know, it's easy to get pushed around when you have no one on your side looking over your shoulder. We saw the same thing in St. Mike's. You really didn't get action until the media stepped in and said, we are now watching you. And then they finally got their crap together. But again, here you've got a school, once again, trying to cover everything up, protect its own, and then, oh yeah, I'll call mom as a courtesy. I mean, they just put it wrong. I mean... Th- you you could say, look, their number one job is is, is the children who who are who are in their care and who who they're instructing. Uh, their number two priority is the parents. I mean, the parents who choose to put their kids there and trust their you know their children in, in their in their safety. So uh, I, I don't know. This is it's it's so puzzling. I just think organizations it, this they still won't get it perfect. But if they could take the time as, as a standard practice to kind of think through Common the scenarios, ask yourselves a few of the questions beforehand. Yeah, would I want to know if my child had been sexually assaulted in a bathroom? Right. Probably. So maybe I should call the boy's parents, you yeah. know, and maybe that child, maybe that child would want the comfort of his mommy or daddy before Children's Aid Society comes over right. to give him a big hug. And not to put myself time. out of work, but it's not rocket science. Like, just no, go, no, just go like, hey, you know, well, if I had explained this to my grandma, what, what would she say? Yeah. Uh, grandma, you know, should... We, should, we should. seemingly can't put ourselves out of work, but let's go to 30,000 feet. You got a pope who said, we are going to clear up the carnage of decades of covering up of sexual scandal of pedophilic priests. And in the last two and a half weeks, we have St. Mike's, a Catholic... Mm-hmm. School and then this incident, another Catholic school covering up what? Um, I don't know if they're co- yeah, it's just sodomy oh, it's, <laughs> well, and <laughs> and worse. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.